I'm going to give you some context here if you don't know what we're talking about. But you've got some infighting that's become public with a Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. Can we call it a kerfuffle? Has it has it gone to the <laughs> level of kerfuffle? And it is a lot of soap opera. And I also think the thing that people are clucking about is about, yeah, there are about six or seven things as interesting or more interesting that people aren't clucking about as it regards this New York Times story. But evidently, it would appear from the reporting that Rachel Nichols was protecting some real estate and Maria Taylor got caught in the crossfire. Um, the choice was made to have Maria as the host of Countdown. And we know the responsibilities and the duties that come with that. This is also an opportunity that clearly Rachel thought that she would like to be in line for and deserve, thus pitting them on a collision course. But nevertheless, the choice was made. And to me, with this, assuming this reporting is correct, um, that Rachel Nichols was promised to do the finals, that was the first mistake. got a weird message from StreamYard. I don't know. But uh, what's going on, everybody? Back at it once again. It is the incredible four-man team. Drew Stevens, Joshua M. Hicks, Chris Pennett joining us once again. The runners, we are running with war and giving you a little bit of a taste of the show as we prepare for the NBA finals. Uh the just about an hour from now, hour, you know, hour plus, uh the Bucks and Suns will be going at the game one of uh, a pretty unpredictable end to an unpredictable season that uh this NBA uh you know uh campaign has provided us. Uh we campaigned in the champagne and wish we campaign. He's gonna he's, he, he may be he may be in the run for an uh, an MVP. You know, he, he he's he's had some good performances this player. Maybe a finals MVP, you know, it's not out of the not out of, completely out of the realm of possibility there, man. But uh a lot there there's there's some there's some former bull presence in this series, man. Bobby Porter's uh, likely will be starting. Bo Pole. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some, I think some other stuff too I have to think about, but I want I want to shout out, this guy's in the form of Bull, but I want to shout out Tory Craig who, uh, who he's the, he's played the game, if anybody's played the game right, it's been him because he already has a ring. Without playing a, before the series even has gone on, he has a ring because he's played on both the Suns and the Bucks this year. So I mean, that's really, yeah, it's it's true. It's, it's uh, you can look it up. <laughs> it's crazy, but that yeah, it, it it's it's a technicality, but it's it's a it's a hell of a technicality. But he he yeah, he's already earned a, a ring without playing in the finals. 
So, you no, know, that's a big up to that man, man. He, he's <laughs> he's he's playing the game right, like I said. <laughs> and uh, we gonna talk, like I said, we gonna talk about him and all the uh, the other competitors. We also gonna talk about some people who are playing the game a little bit dangerously on the broadcast side. Of course, you should know. If you're involved with the NBA at all and follow the NBA, you should know what I'm talking about. It's like ESPN really is begging us to watch this series. And, you know, just maybe for the sake of some drama off the court as well as on the court. But I don't know. They, I guess they kind of, sort of squashed it at this point because uh, they've had one uh, Rachel Nichols. They banned her from the arenas. So, uh, you know, there won't be any cat fighting between her and Maria Taylor uh, in, the, in the backs, you know, in the in either the arenas in Milwaukee or Phoenix. But uh, I don't, we'll, we'll, we'll break that down in a minute. But um, it's kind of, like I say, it's kind of, a, a, you know, there's a, a, a lot that goes into that. But uh, I don't know, just starting off, guys, you know, uh, it's been a minute since we've all been together. Uh, you know, what's, what's things been going like for y'all and what's been uh, on your mind in regard to the, you know, whatever, the league or, you know, this finals, you know, what's what's been sort of catching you guys' uh, interest? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, for me, it's just been, you know, being alive, had a great holiday. Um, yeah, I mean, nobody, none of your fing, all your fingers are still on point and everything. Yes, sir. My all, all ten, mm. I'm still here, alive and well. Um, you know, I've had a good holiday, and um, got to spend some time with some family, and um, just for the most part, I guess it, you know I'm in this grateful mode. I'm just thinking about life in general. I'm grateful to be on here with you guys and, you know, with, you know, and just being appreciative for the things to have in this world because it could be worse, right? So um, with everything going on, so just being in appreciative mode of lately, counting my blessings and, um, you know, taking advantage of moments like these where we can come on with the guys and, and talk real talk, that real talk, and, which is what we do. And, of course, I'm happy for, from a basketball perspective, CP3, super happy for him. Hope um, I wanted to grab this title. Um, at the same time, um, you know, this is why we love the NBA, right? Because it's unprecedented stories that come up at any given time. Um, not just on the court, but off the court too, including the ESPN broadcast, right? So um, you got to love the NBA, what it brings to the table on and off the court. And we not even, and we haven't even touched on the fact that the Olympics is about to start with Team USA. And the lineup they got over there, which is very, very interesting. So, um, you know, there's a lot to talk about. But overall, I've just been pretty grateful and thankful for the opportunities that come that you know that are presented to you, and take advantage of them while you can. No doubt. Kyle froze. Yeah, I think Kyle just froze. I'm 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 thankful that I've been having a solid internet connection the last few months. <laughs> uh, no no smoke there, honestly. 
that that was a problem at times. So, um, man, the weather. So this was really it. it was the weather and and being having been able to get back, I guess, into uh, the groove of things like I am now. Uh, back on with doing the skyhook with James for the first time in a, in a couple weeks at least. Um, going to the Sky game on Saturday, going to any number of White Sox games, so being able to go back out mm-hmm. do these things. I'm definitely going to Monday Night Raw in August for the first time ever. <laughs> so that, that, I mean, depending on what the product is looking like now, it could be, it could be cool. It could be, you know, kind of like, uh, but it's, it's, you see pro wrestling live is always something. It's, it's always, it's going to be, it's going to have something for you. So. Okay. Yeah, man, I mean, I'm just, you know, happy I was able to see my mom and brother-in-law, my sister, my niece and nephew. Um, but also at the same time, I'm kind of like in a, in a, a point where I need to be more forward thinking. I think throughout my 38 years on this planet, man, I haven't really been one of those guys or people who who does a good job of like looking ahead too much in terms of planning, which is weird because I'm an anxious dude. Like I'm always worried about the next moment, but in terms of planning, I haven't really done the best with that. So just kind of getting myself out of that box, uh, you know, whether it be personally or whatever it may be, finances. Um, and also just, you know, just looking at the landscape of sports and what it is I like to write about in comparison to what kind of is, is being consumed the most. Um, I'm just trying to find some kind of the middle ground. You know, I'm not a, a deeply analytical dude and or exit no type dude. And, a lot of the coverage nowadays seems to be veering toward that. Uh, not that the writing is lacking, but it's just it's different. It's different now, you know. Uh, so just just trying to navigate that a little bit. Um, side note: I know we're talking about hoops, but I'm still tripping on the Cubs, man. I still can't believe these the boys is trash, man. They I can't yeah. believe that game, man. What was it, the first game against? Was it the Brewers? Arietta was pitching and. Oh, they had seven runs in the in the top half of the first and lost. Yeah, I'm still tripping on that man. Trash. <laughs> and of course, the Sox just injuries, <laughs> man. After injury, after injury. I swear. Oh my god. <laughs> so I, okay, I'm, I'm glad you guys are still talking because <laughs> we we, we picked up for you, man. We got you. Single as shit, but I come in and. It's not like Drew is talking at an AA meeting. They gonna talk about the Cubs or the Sox. I, I could give a damn about either one of them. Right now. But uh, anyway, uh, Chris, you got anything before we get to these? Like, like I said, uh, thankful for the ability to go out and and do these things that uh, I had not uh, wanted or wanted to do or hadn't done or hadn't taken the time to do. I'm going to go see Monday Night Raw in August, like I said. Um, going to the Sky Game on Saturday since they've had fans back now at full capacity. Um, gone to any number of White Sox games. And, I mean, just it's it's nice. It's nice to be able to, to have the chance to do that. Um, well, I, I, I like, I like you bring up the Sky right quick. Uh, let's suppose we 
uh, 26 is having like a special on them before that game Saturday, I think. Uh, I okay. Before, so I think it's supposed to like cover a lot of their off-the-court pursuits and you know, community-based pursuits and stuff as well. So, yeah. uh, so I, I will check that out. But that's – how many how many games do they have before that break? It's, it's be no, Saturday is the last one. Okay. That yeah. See, I yeah, I was thinking about maybe going there too, but I don't because after that they won't be playing until like mid August, right? Right. The Olympics, yeah, so uh, yeah, that'd be a game. That'd be a game to catch definitely. Whether you're you're on t checking on TV or uh, you know actually going down to the stadium. So, but uh, I yeah. What, what do you think about right quick? What do you think about how they? Because like I said, it's been a couple of weeks and weeks since you've been on. What do you think about how they they this? You know they lost a couple times, but they still you know this they're sort of I don't know. Do you think they're where they need to be right now? Not quite yet, but the, it's weird because the WNBA is 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 uneven. Yeah, it's not, not too many teams who are breaking through outside of. It's Las yeah, Vegas yeah. and Seattle, like yeah. you know, the absolute cream of the crop. But even in like, even in seasons past, you would see the teams that are in the middle, and that middle would be like nine or be like eight or nine or sometimes ten teams. Like maybe this year, could beat each other on any given night, whether they had three people injured or a full team. Like Phoenix was looking really, really good. And they got smashed to bits at their house on Sunday or Saturday. I think this past weekend, like they got beat by a lot. And um, Vegas and Seattle have just been battling it out. Um, the Sky lost some a couple a couple games to Connecticut and then to um, Dallas. And Dallas is just another team that can come in and, and beat you one night, and then they'll look real mid the next night is so i what i talked to james about when we recorded on uh yesterday afternoon is that i it bothers me that the sky couldn't win without candace parker before she was back they had a couple close games but they couldn't finish yeah or they couldn't close they had a lead in at least i know four games they lost by single digits before she came back they had the lead in at least one of those games maybe two and they couldn't take it home. And that's, that's bothersome because those are games previously that they could have won. Granted, Cheyenne Parker's not there anymore. And that's a that's a big piece to lose when you don't have Candace Parker. But you, you worry that they're just a one-person show. They're not. But, it, it you know, it that's the easy correlation to make. And it's still kind of like, you know, can I would like to see them win a game where Candace uh, wasn't playing or was resting or, or was out, something, something like that, because they've got Kalia Copper in her first all-star appearance. Mm -hmm. Courtney Vandersloot yeah, is looking yeah. like Courtney Vandersloot as well. Yeah, Kalia, she deserves that, man. And then um, Allie Quigley is, is playing solid for it to be her, I think, God, 13th, 14th season? She came in in 08, so this is either 13 or 14. But they, they need to – there's a couple things they need to improve upon if they 
do want to challenge for a title because the whole thing about getting Candace Parker was challenging for a title. And right now there's two teams that are title contenders and everybody else is fighting out for that spot to either make noise or get beat in the first, second, and third round. So the Sky, one of those teams right now, they got to level up. So I was about to ask, do you think that they need more talent? Because there's, I mean, uh, surprisingly, there is a player like a Candace Dupree who's out there. I was wondering about that myself. Um, And the way that the season's going, they could, you know, keep signing her on seven days and seven days and seven days. Um, I think she would command at least the veterans minimum salary under the cap since she's been in the league for, for so long. So I don't know how they would work that out. It would would be interesting because it's, you know, I'm not sure where, where, she would be able to fit in with the players they have on the roster, even with the Olympics coming up. Mm. But, I mean, you know, the whole thing, there's a, there, everybody's on the Olympic break, so it's not like earlier in the season where they would have players out and still would have to play. Right. right. One thing right quick, I, I, we have talked, we talked about, the, I mentioned this on the last show about the all-stop format, and I sort of messed it up. Uh, I think I had I had it. It was like a straight up USA versus world thing, but it's actually it's the USA team, the people who made the team, and a bunch of people who didn't make the team. So so you got USA girls. Actually, all, I think all three of the Sky players are on the other team. Yeah, the so All Star team. Yeah, the All Star team who isn't on the uh, the Olympic team and. That includes Candace Park. I, I know there was some rumbling about like you know who should have been on and who, like what I don't know if you, if you got any thoughts on that, Chris. Like you could feel free to, to interject it, but uh, I know there yeah, I know Kalia Candace definitely isn't on team. Kalia isn't on team, and and Vance uh, isn't either. So, but they they those girls all stars, of course. WNBA definitely represent uh, definitely worthy of the all star. But they're not on that Olympic team, so it's like, yeah, I don't know if it's like you know a little shade to go with Diana or what. I don't know, you know. Uh, everybody was talking about Neka Gumuke and say mm-hmm. uh, Los Angeles that she should have made it. Yeah, and and she's only played five games, but sixteen, seven, and and two with I think was okay. That was in two blocks. And shooting. Um, 59%, 80 from the free throw line. Uh, you know, you can argue against it, but if she was out because of um, – James told me that somebody was telling him that Candace Parker shouldn't have made the all-star team either and uh, because she was out for those two or three weeks. And he I, said, I think well, her impact on the sky underscores. You know, yeah, no, I yeah, totally agree. Like, you know, yeah. And but then he argues like, well, what about players who you know were out for other commitments like John Quill Jones? Like, should they not have made it? And there's no way you leave out John Quill Jones. Uh, same way you don't leave out Candace Parker. Um, so Neca, I think, might have fallen victim to some BS. Uh, considering that there are other people who missed time who definitively made it. And, I mean, she's, if nothing else, she's a great player in the league who is also one of its main faces. So from a 
marketing standpoint, it's kind of unwise to leave that person out. <laughs> yeah. And it, seem, it seems like, to me, the reason, you know, well, I guess that's an issue, that's an issue with USA Basketball. But the league, it seems like they're utilizing the time of being in the Olympic year by doing this format. So I think that's sort of, you know, kind of clever thinking. But I don't know, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe it'll create some sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, on-court thing where, you know, they the competition will be a little bit well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to use this platform to prove myself as a player to show that I'm more, I am worthy of that, that uh, honor as well, or that placement, even, even though I didn't get it this year, you know, who knows, you know? Well, the way that people are talking about how, how the, how team USA is political on everything, which we've seen play out in different sports. Yeah. You, you never know. I don't know. The, I'll get to it later, but there were so many insinuations thrown around about why people didn't make it this year, that year, the other, with no real explanation that I'm just going to assume that there's people who would deserve to make it for their whole careers who wouldn't. So people out there, if you want to actually talk, you know, the DMs are always open. Say what you got to say instead of just putting up Kermit T emojis. Yeah, well, it, you gotta watch what you say on all. Uh, Shit. On, on all. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kyle. That was rude. Keep going, man. I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I'm just saying. I think one thing we've learned this week is that through all transmissions, you know, you never know, uh, you know how your how your shit will get out there. You know, uh, your words or what you stand by, what you really are about. Uh, can get out there in, in different ways, so uh, I'm, I'm using that to get into the whole ESPN controversy, uh, kerfluffle as some may use, you know, uh, fancy word, you know. But uh, well, we got we got. I, I'm gonna get this one about. We got about 18 minutes to the bottom of the hour. I think that's about as long as I'll go as as I allow to go into it. We got to get to the real stuff after that with the gang, but. I don't know. Uh, it's been it's, it's a wild story. It releases on the fourth of July on the holiday, and it's all that anyone could talk about leading up to this finals, which is you know for whatever re for whatever reason could be overlooked. And the finals itself could be overlooked in a lot of ways because it's not it, there's no LeBron and there's no Steph Curry and whatever in these finals, but you know. ESPN, ironically, who's covering this series and providing this series with its choice of talent and who it's who it chooses to uphold and who is protecting, who's not protecting. You know, there's a lot. Like I said, this is there's a lot that goes into this media politics, racial politics, uh, you know, uh, gender politics, uh, corporate. Malfeasance, <laughs> like there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes into this, and people project, you know, are people have deciphered this stuff the way in many different ways through their own experiences and through things that they've seen. Others, you know, 
uh, experience. Um, I'll, I don't know. I may get into some of that myself, but I'll just let you guys go. Like, what, what, when, when you heard about this story, you know, how did you take it in? How did you, what were your first thoughts that come to mind? And then, you know, given a couple of days now and some of these developments that have occurred, you know, like I said, we, we do know that uh, Rachel Nichols is not going to be uh, involved in the on court, the on site, I should say, finals coverage. She's still going to be hosting the jump. Uh, which is a show that she pretty much developed at ESPN. But, uh, you know, she's going to be hosting that, but she's not going to be involved in any, you know, like I say, on-court stuff, sidelines, you know, all that stuff. And Maria Taylor, like she did last year, which is where this all started, her getting the, that that bid last year to host the, the pre- and post-game stuff, uh, game stuff for the finals for ESPN and ABC. Uh, as an ascendant talent as she's become uh, part of her thing, you know, sort of undercut certain plans and expectations that Rachel Nichols is in. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys want to just let it out, you know, what you, what are your thoughts on this? Just, just disappointed, man. Just disappointed the way that, uh, you know, Rachel Nichols kind of, you know, her insecurities coming out, undercutting Maria Taylor's work and all the things that she's done throughout her career and the fact that she's deserving of the opportunities that have been presented to her, you know, to kind of couch that as, uh, you know, if you want to if you want to give her more responsibilities because you feel like, you know, you've got a crappy reputation. Like, you know, that that was that's that's lame, man. It really is lame. Um, one part that's not getting as much attention is the part in the New York Times piece where the gentleman she was speaking to, uh, Mendelssohn, mm. mentioned that between the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter that he was exhausted. Uh, <laughs> you know, that in and of itself, being that this guy works with LeBron and Rich Paul and was involved. He, he's, supposed, he's supposed to be in, uh, one of the heads of the More Than a Vote campaign. Yes. Yes, I was just about to say that. Yeah, you know, it's this <laughs> that's even more disappointing. And, and then hear Rachel Nichols laugh at that comment. It's like, what are we doing, man? You know, it's 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 disappointing, but then it's even more disappointing that it's not even a surprise. You know what I'm saying? It, nobody was floored by these, you know, these this this story that came out. It's it's more of a um a reminder of why it's important that we we change the narrative in this world, not just sports. Um, so it's just ugly situation, man. Uh, the fact that this happened a year ago and it's just coming out now is kind of weird. You know, I wonder if Maria Taylor is even going to want to kind of negotiate a, a new deal with ESPN. I think she was trying to. Well, as as I think as of maybe even tonight her deal has lapsed mm -hmm. and oh, her is yeah, so yeah. she's she's reached past the point of negotiation now with espn and she's gonna she's gonna do this work pretty much pro, uh you know i will get the term exactly she's gonna be doing this work you know under the table as it were <laughs> you know and uh she's gonna like after this she's she's her responsibilities are done after these finals and um the the 
you know, I, I, like I said, I'll speak a little bit, a little bit, but as far as what I think is going to play out from this, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's it is very convenient that this comes out to, at this point. <clears throat> there was also, excuse me, a uh, a New York Post article that ran last week that uh, sort of was a forerunner to this, and it was explaining about her. Uh, the media writer at the Post, sports media writer, was talking about Taylor and ESPN having issues because she wants "quote unquote" Stephen A. Smith money. So uh, I'm, it's, I think a lot of people look at that at that article and thinking that maybe someone from ESPN leaked certain things to that reporter, and uh, in an effort to formulate a certain portrayal of Taylor before the. Uh, this uh you know these negotiations came to their conclusion so that's wild to me because anybody who right anybody who trusts the new york post is is silly <laughs> Good point. well yeah they're definitely slanted i i could say uh in, in, in certain ways and and i think a, a reporter like i've i've, I've heard so I've, i know a little bit about the reporter who wrote andrew marchand but I think reporter reporters such as him know that man. are probably yeah they're more inclined to present the point of view of the worldwide leader than one of their uh, you know their uh, put upon uh, you know uh, put upon uh, uh, and and under under uh, you know underappreciated talents you know. The the te- the point of view that we can that we get so often from uh, issues like this is really like I say is really uh, formulated to benefit uh, those in charge and not necessarily those who are you know being really being done wrong and and who really lack the power and the resources to have a story come out and uh, you know. To even tell the truth, let alone, uh, you know, uh, frame a story and for their benefit, you know. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things that stand out between all of this is if you actually do research behind listening people that former black people, man, man or woman, that actually worked at ESPN, listen to their yeah. scenarios, listen to what they say they experienced at ESPN, and it's all similar. It's a power struggle. I think, uh, right quick, John, I think I'm gonna try to edit a couple, some uh, audio from a couple videos that I saw. Mm-hmm. I said one I shared with you guys, uh, and, I re- and you can see, even I recommend anybody listening and watching this to watch these videos, but it's one in particular from uh, Dan Levitar's crew. And yeah. the, fun, the great thing about Levitar and them is that They've all they've all experienced all this these type of things. They're all ex ESPN people, mm-hmm. and they and they're now have their own you know uh, company. You know, advertises his own company now, so he can say whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. And, and the people he puts on can say whatever the hell they want. So it was a great discussion, primarily between him, Jamel Hill, who we know always keeps it real, and um, uh, Amina Hassan. Yeah, who, uh, you know, brought I, he brought a little bit different perspective, sort of a in between perspective that I actually that I appreciated as well. But uh, there's that, and there's also uh, from the Black News Channel yeah. they had a segment 
with uh, Mike Hill, mm-hmm. and uh, he, oh, he okay. was keep, yeah he was keeping it real too on that segment about some things and, and his experiences. And Mike Hill says straight up, like anybody who's black who's ever worked there has has dealt with some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and, and it's, it's easy to believe. You know, I've I've known people who worked there. I've known people yep. who've been on TV there and stuff. And yep. I've heard of stories. And you know, that's yeah. It's like people got to remember that ESPN is not just a playground. And it's 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 for so many, it's a final destination. It seems like like. And and to be real, like if ESPN offered me a job today, I'd probably take it. But at the same time, I, I would be knowledgeable of this, of the, the the BS that goes along with being there as well. That potentially can be involved with that, especially if you get on television there, because there's certain there's a certain the certain way that they want to manipulate you and really yeah. control your you know, control your persona your public persona and and your just the way that you express yourself as a person and that's something that goes different it really put is at odds with the with the way that many you know many black uh i guess somebody else coming in here for some reason i don't know why but uh the way that many black journalists want to be handled uh in in general and especially now and nowadays uh we you know people people want to be dealt with in a different way than what espn is is portraying and what they what they allow for their uh talents and you know they gotta they gotta change some things in a way deeply change some ways that they deal with uh you know they're they're black they're, they're black workers they're female workers and you know it's got it's got to be less of a pity less of a pitting against each other and and more of a, a real commitment to progression and to uh you know propelling and 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 god this this thing is really messing me up uh pro- yeah, propelling and enhancing voices from other, uh, you know, other points of view instead of what they are typically they've typically offered throughout the years. Anyway, anyway uh, feel free to jump in, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a important thing to highlight about this. But the sad thing about ESPN is it could be such a great utopia. But at times it isn't. And a lot of times the accountability factor is select accountability. There are times where I would do things or I would say things and I would get in trouble for it. And my colleagues who didn't look like me would say the same things and they would be praised for it. Uh, There has not been one black person that has been on air that I can think of right now that has not gone through hell at ESPN. I'll just say it just straight up. Stuart Scott, Stephen A. Smith, Jamel Hill. Carrie Champion, Michael Smith, Mike Hill, anybody that's gone through there, there has been some sense that you have gone through some sort of this, some sort of hell at ESPN. I'll just put it down like that. And it needs to change. Now, ABC has done a great job. Disney has done a great job when it comes to ABC News of cleaning up that culture, getting rid of some of the things. There are certain things at ESPN that needs changing, and it starts at the top. 
People are going to look at me and say, you know what, Mike, you're just bitter. I'm not bitter. I got to pass that a long time ago. I left ESPN eight years ago, and I moved on. I'm at Fox, Fox Sports 1. I'm now at the Black News Channel enjoying myself. But the layers that I looked at, the entitlement, the privilege that came from Rachel Nichols and what she said, taking what's mine, when if you go back, and I'll just break it all the way down, if you go all the way back to when she first started, people can look at her and say the same thing about her. Something was given to her, maybe given to her, that a lot of people felt like they deserved to have at that particular time. I know there was a situation where I was hosting a show called NFL Live. And all of a sudden, Rachel Nichols, who didn't do a lot with the NFL at that time, was given hosting opportunities over me. I didn't say anything about her being a woman coming in. I just thought that that was ESPN making the decisions that they made for whatever reasons they did. I never looked at the person who got the opportunity over me and said, well, you know what? It's their fault. No. Like you mentioned before, Sharon, it is a culture that is prevalent. At that, at that network, but it's also flourish. They just pretty much go where the crowd is, or the or the public is taking them mm-hmm. per se, and they just put in someone just to calm the noise. Like that's mm-hmm. not actually to resolve the diversity issues that take place within that company. So, mm-hmm. it, so for you to mention that, like that's definitely something that us as black analysts, journalists, um, you name it, we have to be continue to be cognizant of that because unfortunately, it's not like that at it's, it's like that at more than just ESPN. Other big thing companies yeah. have that too. Yeah. Um, you got to look at the records. Was that That's good, No, I was going to say that um, it's just that ESPN doesn't know how to cover theirs up. I mean, Jamil Hill's right. She's been like this for she she, she got criticized for this. Um, Kayla, jo- I mean, her name is Kayla Johnson. Got criticized for this. Yeah, who shared the she shared Kayla Johnson shared the video. That was a, you know, this this all stemmed from like a video that was uh, recorded off air, right. while uh, uh, Nichols was in, in the bubble down in uh, in Florida last year, and she, but she was speaking to the the LeBron James associate through like a process like we're doing now, you know, on Streamyard, right? Uh, you know, but uh, you know, just but it was. It was available through the servers at ESPN, so people that who work for ESPN were able to pick up the video, and um, you know it got passed around. A lot of people apparently passed it around, but Kayla Johnson was the only person who passed it actually to the person who was in, who was spoken of, mm-hmm. Maria Taylor, and because of that, you know she got a uh, uh, punished, like suspended for a couple of weeks, and. Uh, then downgraded in her uh, assignments for the company and stuff, and she's uh, since left the company. Right. And uh, so people say she's left for, for a better opportunity. So good for her. But like Josh, like you say, it, it's all these companies have issues with with uh, hiring. They have issues with uh, keeping diverse uh, staffing and all that. They have they have they definitely have problems with keeping. Uh, black people and women and other races in in positions of authority, and that's something that again that uh, you could look at in this situation, where who are the, who are these people? Who are the higher ups who are looking down on this situation, and what are their values and what were they what were they thinking about? One thing that uh, we gotta that we should keep in mind about Nichols, and a lot of people are turning her into a a, a Karen of sports journalism now you know 
you know, whatever that is, you know, whatever, however we want to frame her now, you know, she's got to deal with that. But uh, she recognized in, in the quotes that come from her, uh, her lead thought for the lead video and audio, she recognized that the people who are in the SBN call the shots, they're, you know, want their Trump supporters and their conservatives and they're, they're these type of people who are, who their values and their value systems are at odds with a lot of the people who they hire. So uh, again, like I said, that's that's just something that naturally is going to come, is going to create problems and create things that uh, we see in this situation and a, a, a network like ESPN being really too big to keep these type of secrets. So uh, they, I think they really need to get, get their selves right and not be so uh, fake about what they're doing and, you know, and try to spread the wealth in regards to who's in control, who's calling shots and, uh, you know, who's, uh, who's really getting opportunities at, at this, at their, uh, on, on all their platforms, online, television, radio, whatever, because they're going to, I think the, the negative effect in the end is is going to start with them likely losing a talent like Maria Taylor, and it's going to and the people who want to back her up, much like we saw with Jamel Hill and other talents, Leia Levitar and other talents before uh, before Maria is a an exodus, a steadying exodus of viewers and uh, people who who just can't just can't stand looking at that channel anymore. And, you know, if, if product wouldn't look at it at all, if they didn't have so much of a, of a, of a grip on the live events, you know, so, uh, you know, we gonna look at it tonight and there may be some awkward moments <laughs> between, you know, Maria Taylor and the crew up, up there and Jalen Rose might say something kind of slick without saying something. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's going to be uh, something that hangs over this whole proceedings of this finals. And, you know, if that's what ESPN wants to be known for, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's the right way to go, you know. I mean, Jalen Rose's daughter already came out and went ham on Rachel Nichols. Yeah, she did. Video, yeah. So you already know that he's going to be coming some way, somehow, whether it's it's already coming from the Rose family. So if it doesn't come from Jalen, at least it came from a representative. And yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I guess the thing I kind of briefly, real briefly want to highlight is the fact that even though um, this is very unfortunate that Maria Taylor had to come, go through this, this unfortunate situation created an opportunity for another real uh, upcoming thriving journalist in Malika Andrews to take over that sideline reporting gig. And yeah, that's yeah. that's huge for her because we, especially with you know how great of a journalist and reporter she is, um, and and there's already people already arguing that she's probably even better than Rachel Nichols, and that's a whole other story. But you know, having that type of diverse representation um, throughout these NBA finals um, really could be something positive that can come out of this when you talk about black women taking over um, the main positions and stages of big events um that's that's huge and i know and i i believe malik is going to kill it and i'm looking forward to seeing what she does how, how she does her job effectively working with maria taylor and the crew 
throughout this entire NBA Finals. I think dating back to last year, we've been able to see a lot of what Malika can do on that that uh, big time stage. You know, she did a lot of good work in the bubble, and she provided a lot of you know sort of sort. She sort of walks that line of commentary and news reporting. You know, she she's another person who came up through newspapers and uh, uh, you know everyday reporting. So she knows how to do that, but she she's not afraid to put herself out there in certain ways. Like she, she was, you know, sort of talk about her thoughts about certain things that were going on last year with the uh, the boycott and everything and bubbling. But uh, you know, since then she's really like she she's been she's really become at home on that count that NBA countdown crew and on Sports Center and everything. So. She's definitely she's another ascendant talent like Maria Taylor, and uh, you know hopefully they do right by her and not alienate her in another year or two and have her, you know, want to get out the door. So you know, it's it's, it's on ESPN and they sh- they should know better. They they should know what it takes to to maintain a staff, but but that, that is uh, you know right for them, but. At the same time, we keep seeing these stories and hearing these tales from you know black people and other people who've been there, where they have they've been treated less than satisfactory. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, it, that's it's the problem. It's the problem with court. It's there's a lot of issues with corporate media, man. I've been in. I've been involved in it. I, you know, I think we've all been involved in it in the, in some ways, and um, you know. Uh, it's it's part of the reason why I'm here trying to do something else. So it's like you know, it, we, our, our options are few for for people like us in this business. And you know, before I you know before I get to rambling on that end, you know, I'm gonna uh, take it to my phone and uh, see that a bi- a big bit of news is crossed on the uh, push notification system on. E- on ESPN, yeah, I knew it was up. I knew it was up. Yeah, I, I gotta say something about this whole thing before we before we get into that. I was like, go go ahead, Chris, because yeah, I was gonna I was gonna take it into the game stuff. So Chris's yeah. hot takes, I love it. Let yeah, let it be known. First of all, man, like I was telling Drew in the pre-show, um, this whole a lot of this is built off of. Uh, not so much hearsay, because at a certain point, hearsay is, is the truth of enough. I think of enough people are saying the exact same thing. In in this case, you're getting the truth. But like the pitter patter around it, and all of the, and then there's like reports came out that the Deadspin reporting was was suspect, and that like for me, who's just passing through on these headlines, that threw the whole story into question. So I really wish that um, people would, you know, verify, 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 verify. Like, we all know verify these things. Secondly. Well, right, right quick, right quick, Chris, I think the, the issue with the, the dead spin thing is that, from, from how I view it, is that the old dead spin, you, you have to know about the old dead spin compared to the new dead spin. That's a good point. And, and the changes that occurred with that website pretty much the year prior to uh, what happened last year with you know with the uh, uh, vet, uh, you know uh, COVID and stuff? But in, in the year plus, without going too deep into that, 
the whole site changed and the whole staffing changed. And um, new people from who uh, that's been, you know, you know Tommy Craggs and uh, all those all those guys over there, you know, who was who was uh, you know kind of rose that raised that that uh, website up to a certain degree. Uh, you know, they were gone, and it was new people in in the uh, in the staffing, you know, complete new staff. Anyway. I think I think what they were trying to do was some old Deadspin shit, and be like, "Oh, we got ESPN on some on some funny shit. Let's let's uh you know put let's put them on blast without the reporting skill of the guys who were there before, and they just put they just put that story out without looking, you know. I think the old Deadspin would have put that story out, put that same story out initially." But they would have looked deeper into the situation and they would have found out. They would have had the story that the New York Times reported this week. They would have had it last year, even if it took them another couple weeks or another couple months of reporting. They would have had that story last year. But the guys, but the folks who are there, and no disrespect to those who are there at Deathspin now, because there are some good people there. But they just was, they just didn't look deep enough into the story. There was, the the and and this and this again too if you if you look at the Levitar video that I uh, recommended, uh, Levitar brings up this point is that we haven't really paid enough attention to the whole issue of privacy. In this I wasn't city. gonna get into that. Necessarily. But I, I know, but I'm saying I, that, again. That's what I'm saying. This stuff is is a lot involved in this. But we haven't, you know, as a whole, as a whole. I'm not talking about just this show. But as a whole, we haven't paid enough attention to privacy. And that's essentially what Deadspin was focused on last year with the, when they released that story. They were focused more strictly on the privacy thing, and they didn't focus on the, uh, you know, the, the racial stuff and the, the potential, you know, all this in, internecine <laughs> uh, uh, bigotry stuff that was going, that's going on with the SBA. But and, and I, 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 my man, you know, I, I, our man Evan Moore said this pretty succinctly on Twitter, is that also remember that old Deadspin staff was pretty, uh, it was pretty white bread. So <laughs> you want to talk about who who's running things and who's controlling, uh, transmitting information? That uh, you know, yeah, that old that old Deadspin staff was, it wasn't very diverse at all, and um. You know, uh, so you know, take that for what it's worth. I was just gonna say, like, there's a pronounced gap between um, that you hear, especially black women and women of color, talk about in terms of um, advancing that cause in general, and then in specific spaces like this, like sports media and media in general. So it's just another. Um, <clears throat> instance of that here um with the rachel nichols maria taylor situation like i didn't really believe when i heard it was like woman when people talk about womanism like that was a specifically black feminism since they weren't involved in feminism when it really started and i as as a dude was just like that doesn't seem to make sense to me at least you know like why would you need to separate these two things why why wouldn't the cause be co like combined and then you see one in this case, especially. Um, 
and that was that was annoying outside of anything else i think because i had a lot of respect for rachel nichols like drew said i'm disappointed she was always stumping for the WNBA so much so that this asshole channel on YouTube that always tries to cut down the idea that they deserve more money kept highlighting her supposedly saying things on the jump that were incorrect. And so I, I was, I would, I liked the fact that she was putting herself out there when she had this platform for that cause, which benefits black women and women of color disproportionately getting more money for their jobs. So it's, it's disappointing, especially in that regard, because you figure that you have that position, you're trying to big up everybody instead of holding your spot. But a lot of the stuff that we went over, I think already belies that point at a place like ESPN and a place like where media is now, where you're trying to build an individual brand rather than do the job well. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I won't, I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. I'm, there's no, there's, I see, the only reason that that exists is because there are so many voices and places to go. So you have to kind of make a billboard of yourself. And in some cases, like with our man, Josh, Josh, like I respect the hell out of Josh. He's been making himself that dude since we, since we had those uh, games, just like, I, like I said, Josh walk up and talk to Kobe white, which I could never have done. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's part of what he's done and has done so well, but the, the, the difference, I think, is that Josh also writes his ass off and works his ass off at the technical side. And there's a lot of idea that you build the brand and that's what's going to get you there rather than the quality of work. And so I yeah. think this is a part of thing, uh, part of that where Rachel Nichols has done the work, but the brand that she's built felt threatened and not only did it feel threatened, it felt threatened by a black co-worker, a black woman co-worker. And I think on some level, that was unacceptable. Um, there's other people, who, one, who, one in particular who I'm thinking of uh, in but, Holly Rowe. And, and this, is, this is why when we're, as we parse out the responsibility of this, this is why I said, ultimately, this, a lot of this is on management and leadership. And reading that story, you're, it's hard not to look at this and say, what the hell is going on there? Right. And it, it's not things that are new to any of us because we have either witnessed it, experienced it, seen it during our time at uh, ESPN, but that's the thing that they have to address. That's much harder to address. And you can't always address it by putting somebody on a show making somebody a host, hiring a former player. Like it's not going to be addressed that way because it's baked into the core system of how they do things. And that requires a lot of work, commitment, and it requires the things that typically people aren't willing to do. They just don't want to say that because it's impolitic to say it is, you know, they know they can't quote unquote get away with it. But the truth is, that's why I, that that's exactly why I tweeted when all of this was kind of going down. It's like I said last summer, all those companies putting out these we care about black people statements, Black Lives Matter. They all did it last year in the wake of everything that was happening in this country. Don't pay attention to what they say. Pay attention to what they do. No, that's I want to sort of what I'm, I'm, I'm stuttering here now, but I, it, it's. It's a little emotional because I think every black person who's in media at some point 
realizes these things and they recognize these situations where you feel you 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 are questioning your value and your worth and against this these greater odds that are always out there for you to advance and you know it, it's painful for a lot of us that's why i think this story has gotten the traction that has gotten and, and the emotions have uh, surfaced that have surfaced but anyway <laughs> uh we're not gonna leave y'all on that on that tip uh because there is the game tonight there's the series and the the big news that i was uh, alluding to a little bit earlier that came across my ESPN push notification uh, is that Giannis Antetokounmpo will be playing in game one. And uh, so that will, he's going to tough it out. Uh, he has the, like I said, the knee issue, you know, that, that whole bend of the knee that occurred late in that uh, Atlanta series. And, uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to play. I mean, do we think that's the smart thing? Do we think, is it a? Is it just the, uh, you know, him being tough and being ultra competitive, or is it him risking maybe the entire, uh, you know, uh, the entire series for this team in a game that you know, if, if you lose game one, you still got six to go. You know, I don't know what what do you guys think. No, nah, because you know, allegedly there was no. Miraculously, there was no uh, structural damage done to his knee with that hyperextension. I, I don't look at this as um, him or the team making the wrong move. This is the finals, man. It, nothing is promised to any of these teams. You know, that being said, the the Nets, if healthy, look to be here, ne- look to be in the same position next year, maybe the year after that. So you got to play, man. This is something that he's been gunning for for a while, I think. He's made comments saying that, you know, he doesn't want to be in in the conversation for the best player in the game. He's not worried about his regular season MVPs. He needs that trophy to kind of validate what he's already accomplished in his career. So, nah, man, I'm I'm glad that he's playing. Um, I think that he is right to try to tough it out and, and try to play. This isn't the KD situation where, you know, you definitely are on kind of borrowed time with that injury that he had and putting your career at risk. I don't think that this is the same thing. So, uh, you know, more power to him for trying to, trying to gut it out. Hey, uh, Phoenix, you know, as, as the Bucks cleared, cleared out Atlanta and everything and this series became what it is, and we, you know, both these teams are get in, in, the, in the series. The betting odds have pretty much been all in favor of uh, – of Phoenix, you know, uh, are we are we agreeing with that? Do we think that Phoenix is the prohibitive favorite in this series? Not prohibitive, not with Giannis back, um, and the the supporting cast really showed uh, what they could do uh, in in his absence yeah. um, because the the Suns have been, you know, with some some bursts from campaign. They've been a, a unit, but that's very much so led by Chris Paul and Devin Booker. If, if either one of those guys um, has an off night, it's tough for Phoenix to win. If either one of those guys is out, it's near impossible for Phoenix to win. Um, now, the, the Bucks, albeit with a Trey Youngless Atlanta, I, I think they still showed a lot more cohesion than Atlanta did. That game... 
believe it was game five. I was at the casino and it was it was on the TV. But the way the Bucks got out and maintained that lead to the to halftime and throughout the game with a lot of fast breaks and turn, forcing turnovers says a lot about them. And that's that's something that they can take with them into this final series, no matter what um, level of health Giannis is at. You you obviously can't you know play Bobby Portis. 35 or 36 minutes a night and necessary with him being one of your top two options and expect to do incredibly well. But I think what they, what they showed in those two games where they didn't have Giannis uh, was important for their confidence as a team and something, a new wrinkle for Phoenix to, to see that they can, they can get things done without the, you know, one of the two or three best players in the game. Josh, do you, do you think we're going to see, sort of a different game or more stationary or more, more, maybe more of that interior game that a lot of people would like to see from Giannis, you know, given that he's going to be a little gimpy, you know, uh, maybe it won't be as much of the, uh, the transition of the, the ability to create and transition from him, at least at the beginning of the series. You know, do you, do, you, do you see that sort of effect happening or, you know, or, or any type of other effect in the way that these games, that the, this early games are going to be played? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and just because of that, this is why I think Milwaukee shouldn't have rushed him back, even though I am supportive of, obviously, what Drew mentioned. That the, that the Stars players can play, let them play. At the same time, though, because of the success, like Chris mentioned, from the second unit, and the surrounding stars that were there and how in some way they're playing better offensively with Giannis on the bench. There's no, and because Phoenix Suns is a slow down team um, and a half court offensive brand team, you want to beat them in the transition game, which the Bucks have if you leave Drew, Hall- Drew Holiday as one of your main point guards that can push the ball effectively up and down the court. And for so, turnovers. And yeah, with and yeah. With, with limited turnovers. So I think you take away that game plan that you could use potentially, especially in the beginning of this series, to get an edge per se, or better position position yourself for an edge against the Suns by leaving Giannis in a half court where no matter what, Giannis is gonna be Giannis, but it can t- but it takes away and in some ways limits how the Bucks can effectively run an offense, especially if Giannis is forced to be in a paint or to do things. Where if he feels like he's fully healthy, he's gonna go full speed, but he may not get the actual solution or resolution that you would think that you would think. So I think in ways they they, they might cut themselves short of what they the offense really could look like because they're forcing Giannis back into this lineup where even though he is dominant of a player, it's not like he's your closer. It's not like he's your automatic go-to when the game gets tight, which is what Phoenix has in Devin Booker and Chris Paul. In those tap in those tight half game moments, you got to combat that with something similar, which you already have, but you're limiting that option with Giannis bringing him on that on the court. See, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna push back on that a little bit. You make great points, but I, I don't think that they put Giannis in a position where he's gonna have to just be a back to the basket type player because that's not his game. Yes, you want him close to the basket, but it's about how he's getting there. He's not gonna back you down, hit you with a turnaround jump shot or up and unders. He's getting to the basket from the perimeter, driving the ball hard into the paint. Um, so I don't think they put him in a position where he's not going to be effective. And to your point, Josh, even more so than offensively, 
what Giannis allows the Bucs to do from a defensive standpoint against a team that wants to hit that mid-range. They want Brooke Lopez to drop way back into the paint to try to prevent a lob to Aiden. Now you can't do that if Giannis is there. He has the range and the athleticism to both kind of sink back a little bit um, if he's getting caught up on the screen, but also be able to recover with his length and contest the jumper from Paul, can, can uh, contest the jumper from um, Devin Booker. It, it just gives them, gives them so much more versatility. You have three solid defenders now, whereas if Giannis doesn't play, you're down one. You know, you can only put Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton on so many people. They can only mm-hmm. guard for so long. You had that third defender, long, you know, a long athletic defender that we know Giannis to be. And this series, you know, it changes. It changes a little bit. Um, I was going to ask what, what were your thoughts on defensively, how they were going to, you know, they defend the pick and roll, defend the mid-range attack. That uh, that Phoenix, you you sort of gave a bit of that already, but yeah. you can't you can't drop like Coach Bud, Coach Budenholzer, he can't give up a game one like he did against the Nets, like he did against Atlanta, where you just can you just uh, can see the mid range. I mean, you can you can see the three point shot or the the the, the mid range. I mean, um, like he did with Durant. You have to you got to abandon that drop that drop. You got to play Brook Lopez up or you have to switch your screens. You got to do something because exactly what you want, um, what you want to give up with your base defense and that drop coverage is exactly how Booker and Paul want to beat you. So they got to find a different route. They got to, they got to stick to uh, the adaptability that they've shown in the, in the playoffs at times. That's, that's interesting. You mentioned too, the way that they've approached starting the last two series. I think as I think in both of those series, especially the Brooklyn series too, they sort of let them they sort of let themselves be weak in certain ways too early in the series by over relying on their perimeter and on the offensive side by over relying on their perimeter shots. And even, you know, they would basically overshoot from three point range, even if it wasn't working for them. They was just trying to force that shot and then they realized that they had to switch things up and adjust better going through each series. And they finished strong enough. But uh, I, I could definitely see how against the Suns, you don't want to, you know, have that same approach. And uh, you want to, yeah, you want to, do you want to probably take one of these games definitely. And, and yeah, this is the thing. They, I don't know, they, they, they definitely would want to take one of these games in, in Phoenix. I don't think they would want to go back home or two, but, they also probably have the confidence to say, you know, we can easily make it a two-two series after after four if we drop these first two. So we'll see. Yeah, but, uh, it's gonna be some interesting um, chess matches. And just one last point, uh, you know, in the finals, I think they're getting an extra day off between games now, whereas before it was like a day off game, day off game. So yeah, uh, you'll get yeah, you'll get. I think this game two was Thursday, and then I have game three on Sunday. So it'll be. A couple, they'll have another break like that later in the series, too. I think between five or six. Yeah. So, however, Giannis's knee reacts, he'll get a little bit more time, whereas he he wouldn't have, you know, in the earlier rounds. Yeah, definitely. Uh, steroids. <laughs> Them steroid shots, boy. You got to make sure you good. I'm gonna say my man's on the cortisone for real. Right. right. He, 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 and, and after after the season, he'll go get one of those Kobe Spinner. Uh, right, spinner <laughs> treatments in Germany or something. 
But <laughs> but right quick though, uh, we, we just getting past eight. We gonna pack it up. Uh, we'll get back sort of uh, in the in, you know now if not later this week or uh, early next week to uh, check back on the series definitely. And uh, but right now, what's your thoughts on what's your early pick right now? What's your uh, yeah, what, what's, what, what do you got? How you got the series played out? I can't believe I'm saying this, man, because I think Monty Williams is a better coach. I think uh, I think the Phoenix, I think the Phoenix has a deeper the deeper team, but something about Milwaukee, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm gonna go Milwaukee. Whew, it'd be tough to win a game seven in Phoenix. Uh, give me Milwaukee in seven, man. Right, right, right. Quick, Dan Meehan. Thanks for the. Uh, Thanks for the comment. Do you think it was Johnson's call? I would say, yeah. I, yeah. I would say it's his call. Yeah. It's it's this is not the time. After this whole year where it's, it's been about placating Giannis and making him feel comfortable with the future of the franchise, you don't uh, at this point in the season say, no, nah, big man, we got it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, <laughs> no, this uh let him do. If he, if he wants to be the hero, let him be the hero. That's what he's there for. So, but anyway, uh, Drew, you say Milwaukee is seven or yeah, I can't, I can't believe it, man. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I was talking about Chris Middleton before the season. How you know Milwaukee has one number one and two number threes. So now I'm, I'm coming full circle, man. Yeah, they're they're a better team than. That you thought I would say that, that most of us thought they yeah. were yeah. after the beginning of the season. So, I mean, especially Middleton, it's like Middleton really. We talk about potential MVPs in the city. Middleton really can be MVP in the city. Yeah, yeah. He does have his moments where he, you know, he'll he'll, he'll disappear a little bit, but um, they're they're it's different now. It's different now, man. He 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 shows up in a different way, man. Yeah, I'm with you too. I'll just say it right quick. I think I'm, I'm I'm sort of going with my heart as much as anything. But if I was to go purely with my brain, or if I was to put some money down, I would say <laughs> I would say Phoenix is six. But my heart is telling me uh, Milwaukee and so. I think um, from my perspective, I think the Suns are are better all around. Uh, they have a better coach. I don't know if they have a better coaching staff all the way through, but they definitely have a better head coach. Um, Chris Paul is probably the best. I think in this situation, especially considering Giannis isn't at 100 or, or say 90%, like the best you could probably be is 90% at this time in the season for anybody. I think Chris Paul is the best player on the floor just with his experience his guile, his ability to, to cause headaches for the other team, um, his his difficulty to defend him is going to be a great matchup between him and Holiday. That might be worth it watching in, the, in, the, in itself. Uh, but he's hungry, and Devin Booker has shown that, you know, he's not just a, a December scoring champ. You know, he's hitting shots when it counts. Uh, like Chuck always says, those guys you don't you hear from in December and January are all quiet in May and June. And Devin Booker has been very far from quiet. So the smart money says his, his first playoff, man. It's, it's been 
This, this guy one of the great first playoff runs ever. I mean, he he really used that that bubble run. I think as a test, like like a, a dry run almost for what the playoffs might feel like because it wasn't necessarily a playoff atmosphere but I think just it was so weird and and so difficult to focus I, I it just seems like he used that as like something that he could draw from yeah. like you know we hit these shots in this situation we hit that game winner we won all our games um it just seems like he took that and, and completely ran with it but you're right Kyle it still is his first playoffs for him yeah. to be performing the way he has is is solid. So I, you know, as much as I want to say Bobby Portis finals MVP <laughs> val to validate my man from the Cove Lounge all those years ago who was dying because Bobby Portis was not getting in the game. I, I think it's I think his sons in um I think his sons in six. I think this is gonna be a key game. Sorry, that's an understatement. Game one's always a key game. I think if, if Giannis looks healthy, then it could go seven games. If it does, if he doesn't, it might be Suns and five. John, it's going to hinge on that. Yeah. Just side note, random, Josh, for you, your point. I can't help. I don't know if y'all got the same feeling as, as Bulls fans or, you know, former Bulls fans. I know y'all feel about the organization, but. <laughs> I'm an observer. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I can't help but to watch. Devin Booker just feel like that could be Zach Levine, man, in another another dimension, you know, different roster. Well, look, look, if you look, if you do one and a half good moves, you, it could be next <laughs> year. Yeah. The Suns, look at the Suns were last year. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Eight yeah, games in the bubble. Eight games yeah. in the bubble. Yeah, that that that's true. Fall um, later. Right, just you know, you, you never know what the Bulls can supposedly get themselves into because it's you know you, you just never know nowadays. So Zach Levine being in it, you know, doing his thing in with the Olympics, you know, and Vooch being Vooch, you never know what could happen next year. Um, and but, but Josh, before you make your pick, I just want to, as far as uh, far as Porter's go, I just want Porter's to enjoy the moment. I want I want to keep it. Keep oh yeah. It out. Keep his eyes open and and take it all in. They're gonna be open. They're gonna be too hyped to do that. You're gonna be too hyped to do that. You're gonna be too into the games. He's not even too hyped to just take it in like that. You're gonna come out swinging. Take every inch of pupil and take it all in. That's just that's just how Bobby plays the game, man. And to talk to him about some of that, you know, was pretty cool. That was that was pretty cool. So I obviously want Bobby too you know, be successful and to win at this at the highest level he can. And obviously he has that prime opportunity to do that. So if he does, I will not be mad. But, uh, you know, Giannis can wait another year because it's a CP3 time. It's CP3. And CP3 that we trust. I have the Suns win this thing in seven, um, especially because they got the home court advantage. And, and not to mention at the same time, like you guys said earlier, better head coaching. I think they do have a deeper roster, um, and I, and I will say we talked about you know the matchup with um, you know Chris Paul guarding and Chris Paul and Drew Holiday going back and forth. We know PJ Tucker is probably gonna go at it with Devin Booker, right? Like we know there's gonna be some pretty prime matches to look out for. But the X factor of this is for this for this series, especially for the Suns, to me personally, 
is the man that's about to get maxed out next year in Mikael Bridges. He's shown he's shown up in these in uh, these playoffs um, on both ends of the floor, and as long as he can continue to guard and play well defensively and shoot that three, I don't think Milwaukee got a chance. I don't think Milwaukee has anything to stop that. So he's a, he's a very versatile player. So yes, he's he could be a nice X factor in the series. And to to your point, your very your earlier point about campaign, you know. Not not being too far fetched from the win MVP. Anybody that listened to that and was like, "Roll the No, no, but but no, but hear me out, hear me out. You you got a point because the stranger thing has happened. No shade to Andre Iguodala, but for that man to be, that was one of the deepest travesties. And, of, and, he, um, and yeah. the with LeBron and Curry and Clay. I mean, stranger yeah. thing happened. Is he from Peoria or Springfield? I think he's from Springfield. Springfield. He's Springfield. He's Springfield. He came from Springfield. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the reason, then shoot. Like Cali, Ohio. Nah, let's go with Springfield. Let's go with the capital of Springfield. You know, I'll, I'll give it up for Illinois for getting that award then, but he still shouldn't have won it. <laughs> Crazy, man. LeBron was yeah. the best player on the floor. <laughs> he was. It's funny, too, because uh, – uh, apparently, uh, uh, U of I just got a kid from uh, LeBron's old school. It was a pro oh, school. okay. St. Vincent, St. Mary. Yeah. So that's it. That's lose me. Kofi, though. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know Kofi. That, you got to replace all the portal transfers. Yeah. My man, my man's going to Kentucky. Just, you know, just, get kid, are going. just give that kid a, 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 what, a Raising Canes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. What, what's 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 what started down in Champagne? What was it? Uh, Jimmy Johns or something? Jimmy Johns. Yeah. Yeah. Just give him a Jimmy Johns. Don't do that. Sandwich. Don't do that. <laughs> Trash ass sandwich, man. <laughs> People hey, hate on Subway. Man. Like, oh, hey. Subway smells bad. Subway <laughs> got this and that. You know where they tuna come from? <laughs> that's yeah. That's it's, unfortunately we have to overrate. The ability to uh, know where Tuna comes from now because of Southern. Oh, that's it. And now these fools letting off fireworks. I got. I have to get off. <laughs> uh, Kyle got tired. He said, "I'm done." I'm dead. <laughs> I, I ain't gonna enjoy this game because he's damn fireworks. Man, they ain't stopped till about two o'clock in the morning on, on my block. Man, I swear oh, they were throwing them at my window. It sounded like man. See, so I had ten in the morning too. See, that's yeah. I have to test my freedom. They throw it at my window, man. Oh, <laughs> no, nah, let me stop, man. But I'll I say right quick though, the last thing uh, going off of Josh Pitt, I get it would be, you know, and I don't, I'm not one of those. I'm, I, I know a lot of people who hate Chris Paul. I'm not. That's what I was going to say. Josh yeah. loves Chris Paul. And yeah. I'm like, you know, that's how you know we don't root for Western Conference teams because they're, they're casting yeah. the lights. <laughs> I don't want to see that dude win. Point God for a reason. <laughs> I better say it's cool, bro. And Paul Wizard, you know, uh, you, you know, Pat Bev will be breaking the TV somewhere as soon as. <laughs> soon as uh, soon as CP get his hand on on the Larry O'Brien, but at the same uh -huh. time, the story between him and Monty Williams is a pretty great story. Uh, seeing where they came from ten years ago, both sort of floundering in New Orleans and now for them to be back together. 
and uh, on the verge of a championship. And, you know, CB3, quite frankly, is one of the top five point guards of all time. For him to, to get to the conclusion of to be able to finally wrap up his legacy with a title would be very meaningful. So I'm not against that, even though I'm, I'm sort of rooting for Milwaukee. I'm not. I'm. I'm just being on record as saying I'm not against CP3. Uh, you know, bringing it all home. You know, as a yeah. That 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 clip they had of Monty Williams and, and CP3. That was that was special, man. When they wrapped up the series and them two kind of embracing, and he basically telling CP3 to come on, just let the emotions come out. Basically, like you made it. You you here. You're here now. That was that was something to see and with, and with everything that money's been through personally he's definitely a guy who people root for so Absolutely. yeah it would be great uh yeah and another brother uh winning the title you know again yeah yes sir you know it don't hurt to listen to black folks every now and then you know? <laughs> wink wink espn <laughs> i'll leave it at that but anyway we're gonna go out from off air here enjoy this game thanks to everybody who's watched us tonight and uh, checked in uh, and everything. And keep on keep on following us, watching uh, everything. I said, I'm going to try to add a little extra something on the audio version of this on uh, SoundCloud, uh, not SoundCloud, uh, Anchor.fm. And, um, yeah, just uh, keep, keep rocking with us. We'll be back uh, at some point in this series uh, with another report. And... Uh, give our thoughts on how this season how this series is playing out uh like again drew we're on record drew has the bucks and seven i have the bucks and seven josh has the sons did you say the game seven seven and chris has i'll take sons and six sons and six okay so we'll see how how uh what we're getting closer to in uh in a couple guys but as of now um yeah, keep uh, you know, keep your eye on the sparrow, keep your eye on the ball, and uh, keep bouncing, and uh, don't take nothing for granted out here, man. Keep your, you know, keep uh, you know, like I say, keep keep pushing, and uh, definitely don't, like I said, don't ever ever, you know, uh, under underscore, like I say, don't don't ever underplay what it takes for uh, black folks to get where they got to go especially black sisters. So keep that, always keep that in mind. And uh, we, I will leave you with that, Drew, as we uh, head out. Peace. <laughs>